There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host today, Kevin Massari, here as always with Mike Bunt and producer AJ in the background, giving us some stats, news, and nuggets as we talk about the combine, lots of stuff coming out of the combine, even more so stuff coming out about free agency and what's been going on quarterback carousel across the league. Some big trades may go down across the league as well. Get into a lot of that different stuff right after this. Josh Allen looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Lots of news around the league today, Mike, as we get into get into it. I mean, it's March. It's the fridge or excuse the Offseason's finally over. <laughs> finally, it's a month long um, before you really ramp up to. Uh, you know, a lot of people say this is the this is the time you build your team. I mean, this is as fun as a week two game against Jacksonville. Uh, this is this is against Cleveland. This is what it's about. It's building your team. It's the combine. It's Raz scores. It's interviews. It's trades. It's what's going on around the league. The combine is now not just a big day for testing and checking out your prospect, but it's huge. Owners get together with each other, talk trades. GMs are there. You have really interviews across. I mean, you have Von Miller there training to be a GM. I mean, you have just a litany of things that happen at this event now that isn't just what happens on the field with their time results. This is trades get talked about, franchise tags, what you're going to do, what you're going to target. 
it's a it really is a big interview event and that's why i overly like the combine um and that is just a really big event for the league right now mike how you feeling today I'm feeling great. It's a great time of the year. March Madness about to get underway. The MAC tournament this week, that impacts both of us. UB for you, Ohio, and UB for me. Uh, the Sabres playing important, meaningful hockey games in March. And then you have the Bills uh, trying to attack free agency a week from now while uh, scouting for the upcoming NFL draft as well. So a lot going on uh, and a lot to talk about today on the show. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. A, it is starts. And then you got baseball right around the corner for any baseball fan in a couple of weeks. You have the opening of free agency next week and the tampering window one really tw- uh, one week from right now. We'll be talking on our show uh, about a lot of it during the, what happened on Monday during the tampering window. Uh, really what's been happening maybe as we approach Wednesday, which is the official league year where you can officially make moves. But outside of a couple names here and there, most of what happens gets done during the tampering window. You have a couple dropout. It's not often you have a J.D. McKissick situation. One z two z just happened to be the Bills last year with losing someone during the tampering window. Um, but generally, there's a very good gentleman's agreement among this window, and it generally holds true. Um, and as we kind of approach the free agency primer, we'll start the free agency primer today. We'll get into the combine and our favorites. We'll bring up A.J. for a little bit at the end of the show. Um, kind of what he was able to see in Indianapolis. So we'll start at the top with the free agency primer. It is big in the linebacker room. The linebacker room is where I wanted to start. There's a lot of names going around right now. There's a lot of players getting cut, Mike. What's interesting is Tremaine is in a good position to be at the top of this list. But as you see names like Kendricks become available and, you know, you have Bud Dupree, who's obviously more of a pass rushing three, four outside linebacker, but still, and you have, plethora of names now you have obviously the guys that were already there in Jermaine Pratt and Drew Tranquil and a, a really good list that starts to eat into to, to admins a little bit where at some point if he's going to get crazy 18 19 20 21 you can just say it's there's 10 or 11 guys I like yeah absolutely and I, I mean it's getting to the point now where the longer this plays out you it looks like Tremaine is definitely going to test his market and see what he's able to do I'm expecting him to be gone at this point, Kev. I, I know that's we don't really have any inside information what way Tremaine is leaning, but he's definitely planning on testing the market, and I feel like he is going to price his way outside of Buffalo in the upcoming weeks. You know once you get to free agency, the money's going to be ridiculous. But like you said, Kev, there are quite a bit of talented linebackers that are going to be available on the open market, and just because Tremaine might potentially walk there are other good options that can fill in for this defense. Will they be as talented or as high upside as what Tremaine can bring to the table? Probably not. But what you're trying to do is just make sure that you don't have a tremendous drop-off. And I think that is attainable at vile getting someone at a cheaper cost as well. So that would be the ultimate goal is find someone that isn't going to be a tremendous drop-off, but Mm -hmm. a much better um, hit against the cap so you can – still put some money towards other resources on your team. Not saying you can't do it, but that's what I feel is going to happen. I think that it hurts 
Edmonds of what has been going around, not helps him. Now you have Bobby Wagner on the market. You have Eric Kendricks on the market. Two, two, two players that many would say in different ways can compete with Tremaine Edmonds now that weren't there originally. You have obviously Levante David if you want to go the, the veteran route um, as, a, as more of a Band-Aid, but a really good Band-Aid, which Wagner and David would be. TJ Edwards is a guy that grades out really well. Jermaine Pratt, David Long, uh, you know, Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, you just depending on how low you want to go down the list, Rashawn Evans, Denzel Perryman, Drew Tranquil, Bobby O'Kirke. So you have a really good list of free agents that it's as good as I can remember at this. So ultimately, does that help Tremaine Edmonds? I don't believe it does. Is he one of the better ones of that list? I think so. However, it, it, it goes both ways. So the team does have more options to where, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in five for a hundred million right now. It's just not the way I feel like going. The Bills ultimately gave a contract to uh, to Dawson Knox last year, right before the season, that could have gone to either Jordan Poyer or Tremaine Edmonds. They decided on Knox. Mike, I want to start there for today. Do you like that move ultimately with all the tight ends in the draft this year? One of the best tight end classes ever compared to signing Knox and then maybe seeing how the market played out. He had, you know a decent year, but not his high end year that he may have wished. Do you like that in hindsight now signing him? And then your defense is, you know, there, and now you have a tight end draft class. We'll get into a little bit later on in the show. Do you like that initial move or would you have liked to see, I mean, a majority of that really go to Tremaine Edmonds? I really don't, even in hindsight, I don't really have an issue with Dawson Knox getting uh, the money. We all know that he's one of the more athletic tight ends with tremendous upside disappointing that we didn't have a flashier year as far as production but as we discussed the entire season there were more opportunities to get Dawson Knox involved and sometimes it was as simple as Allen not utilizing him even when he was open at times uh, during the season yes he has some drop problems but I think we both agree that uh, Dawson Knox still has that upside going forward we didn't know going into the year that Tremaine Edmonds would have the terrific year that he ended up having. If we did, maybe the Bills would have been smart to try to get him signed before the year and give him that long-term extension. The issue is a lot of fans were debating whether or not he was even worth it at that point in time. I don't have a problem if you're debating Poyer or Knox. I think we all know Poyer's looking to get the money. He's on the wrong side of 30. Yes, he might still have some years of production left, but you don't want to give contracts out for rewarding previous production. You want to get contracts for what you expect down the line. So I don't have a problem with Poyer not getting the money if the Bills believe that they can replace him and that he was asking for too much. I would have loved I would have loved to have all three still on the team, but we knew there was going to be some tough decisions to be made. Now, uh, as far as Edmonds is concerned, will this linebacking group of free agents hurt his value? Potentially. I mean, supply and demand, uh, as one of the comments said on the chat, definitely could hurt him uh, a little bit. But here's the thing. He's still one of the youngest players in the NFL at his position. That is a premier player. And uh, I just have to believe there's going to be at least one team out there that is going to give him a massive offer. You're looking at a guy where you can give a five-year deal and he'll still be only around 29, 30 years old at the end of the contract. So yeah. that that changes things because a lot of these free agents, if you're looking at somebody 27, 28 years old, 
you're looking at term. How old are they going to be at the end of the deal? Are they still going to be playing at that production level? I think it's safe to say that with Tremaine Edmonds, if you give him a long-term deal, you're still going to be expecting elite-level play at the end of his contract as long as he lives up to um, his production and um, hype. So Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. While I would love to have Tremaine on the Bills team going forward, I do think there's going to be some team out there that goes crazy because that's a player that you can sell to any fan base in the league. I know we talk about Pro Bowls not meaning anything in today's age, but they still are flashy when you're signing a free agent and you can sell to fans. Tremaine has been the Pro Bowl multiple times. He's been part of one of the top defenses in the NFL. He uh, is young. He's flashy. He has the size, the build. I I think that's an easy, easy signing for uh, another franchise to really get their fan base excited. So I do think someone is going to give them a bag of cash. Wanted to address this one too. Uh, is it possible the Bills could lose Poyer and Edmonds? And where would that leave us with Oliver? Still not sure he's worth 10 a year. Bean has work to do. Um, yes, I think it's very possible. I've heard from people um, that have been around the Bills that say that Edmonds is going to walk. Um, we'll see how that ends up turning out. Uh, so ultimately, though, I think there is a preparation that you should definitely prepare for the possibility of Edmonds and Poyer not being here on this roster. Could anything happen either way where one of them comes back because the market's not as robust for the reasons we just got into with linebacker that it might, um, that it might not be as big. I think so. I, I think there's a chance someone, it would be more like Poyer comes back to you and says, Hey, let's get this thing done. Two for 12, two for 14. I'll make it work with your cap. Sure. That's conceivable. But as of right now, the expectation around the team is that neither of them return. And I think the bills really want to play in this linebacking team, uh, this linebacking free agency. You don't want to touch someone like Jermaine Pratt, even though he's like my favorite one for the value, because it ruins your compensation formula. You can go ahead and get a third for Edmonds, a fourth for Poyer, sixth, fifth, fifth or sixth for Singletary, seeing where his deal winds up, if you don't sign free agents. What does that mean? They're like, well, we need free agents, Kevin. Like, what, what, what do you mean? You can sign cut players. They don't count against the compensation formula. You cut them from their contract. It doesn't go as a net loss or a net gain. OBJ, someone the Bills are still linked to, from what I've been hearing. The Bills are still very much in. They signed Henry, their receivers coach, as we talked about on this show. And yes, it's not the only reason he's good at developing young talent, but also it sure doesn't hurt that he's best friends with OBJ's mom. So there's definitely that factor, and he wouldn't count against your compensation formula. You have, you know, Leonard Fournette, you have John Johnson, you have Bobby Wagner, you have Kendricks, also wouldn't count against your compensation formula so you can still pick some pretty good football players and get a third fourth and six next year i mean it's i like you jermaine pratt and he would be one of the players i would target Uh, i think he could be a natural fit and wouldn't cost as nearly as much as tremaine edmonds however i might need to pivot to an eric kendricks or a bobby wagner uh while this goes down you have a terrell Terrell bernard still developing the bill spoke very highly of terrell bernard i know he takes a lot of heat 
I'm first to admit when I don't like a player on this roster, follow my Twitter. Um, but when it comes to Bernard or something there, and I'm still trying to figure out if we can tap into that athletic profile, the production at Baylor, the pass rushing ability and his ability to cover. We'll see. And he was decent in run support as well this year. He was like the fourth or fifth rated rookie running back, uh, a linebacker in limited action. So everyone, you know, points to, you know, Leo Chanel from, from Kansas city as like, why did the bills replace, you know, admins with him? I don't, Mike, you said it earlier. I don't know. They knew the year they were getting from Tremaine admins. They clearly banked on the fact of thinking that Knox would have a bigger year and escalate his money into this ungodly tight end range. Uh, which tight ends can get up there. Look at, I mean, Evan Ingram just tagged and for all intents and purposes, $11 million on the tags, a good deal. Um, so the bills thought he might get into that range, 12, 13, 14 with another big season and a big passing offense. And who's to hedge their bet there. And who's to say Knox can't elevate himself to no one at some point. Yeah. And you're always debating what's harder to get developing a, a linebacker to become a premier player, signing a linebacker at that position or getting a tight end that's going to be one of the better tight ends uh, past mm-hmm. catching in the league. Some of that's going to be a result of who your quarterback is, who, what your scheme is, and and the player. I still believe in all the things that Dawson Knox brings to the table, that he can be a dynamic player if the Bills choose to utilize him more in this offense. Now, Tremaine, are they going to go find someone in free agency or elevate someone on the roster and just make up for all that production lost if he's gone? Probably not, but I, I feel more – confident that someone can step into Tremaine's spot and at least give us halfway decent production than I would Dawson Knox being out of the lineup and someone replacing him as our tight end. I, I That's just how I feel at this moment in time. Now, I don't know if Dawson Knox is worth his contract, but I do think he's going to be a solid player for that period of time. And the money isn't totally unreasonable. He's not great. But I do think Knox can be a top 10 tight end in football. And we saw from a production standpoint that he can get around nine, 10 touchdowns in a season. The, the, the big question with Knox as a pass catching tight end is, is he just going to be someone where you determine a good or bad season by him, by his touchdown production, or does he have another gear as far as can he get 60 plus receptions? Can he get 700 plus receiving yards right now? He seems like a guy that will be around 50 to 55 receptions on a yearly basis with six to 10 touchdowns. Does not Dawson Knox have that other gear? We'll have to, to wait and see on that. Um, but with Tremaine, I, I, it hurts to let a guy like that walk, especially when you, when you trade it up in the first round and you've invested time and he's developed into uh, such a, a special talent for the bills. But I do think there's this belief by, the, the Bills management and front office that a lot of their results in recent years is scheme related where you, you hear about the arrogance at times to where when a player goes down, they plug in place and they expect the same type of quality from the next man in. And sometimes that's realistic. Sometimes it's not, but the Bills believe so heavily in the scheme that they have that they really don't change things up when players go down. They expect the next man up to to perform at a high level. So at linebacker, with having an entire offseason, pairing you with Matt Milano, the belief the Bills coaching staff might have is we'll get someone in there and they'll be able to at least perform halfway decent regardless of who it is. So 
that remains to be seen, but we have seen in the past, at least with other positions on the Bills' defense, uh, the secondary to uh, to be set, stated, that they sometimes have been able to deal with losses and not really have that much of a, a downturn in production. Now, obviously, last year it got to be too much with Hyde being out of the lineup, Poyer being banged up, Trey not being 100%, Von Miller being out of the lineup, and obviously Matt Milano being ham- uh, dealing with a, a nagging injury, Jordan Phillips with an injury. So last year it got to be too much. But if you can replace him with an average player and have most of the surrounding players be somewhat healthy, I think it is reasonable to expect decent play regardless of who they go with uh, at that spot, as long as they're not bringing in a, a below-average skill player overall. Yeah, and I think you have to consider, and someone says blow up the compensation formula. Um I don't quite know what you mean by blow the comp formula up. Do you mean like to utilize it? Make sure you're not signing those guys. Some of those guys don't count depending on if they're vet minimums, when they're signed. Uh, there's definitely some low end rules. Some of those guys wouldn't cancel out uh, a high end, you know, it's ranked based on their contract status that they receive. So someone like Jermaine Pratt would essentially cancel out like Jordan Poyer, for instance. So you would end up losing basically that fourth round pick is he a fourth-round pick, Jermaine Pratt in this case? Is he a fourth-round plus his contract? Is he a fourth-round pick better than maybe an option that was cut like a Kendricks? Some people might even say Kendricks is better than Jermaine Pratt, depending on who you talk to. So uh, the Bills need to consider the picks that they can add into the pipeline next year if they play this right uh, and, and you gather something for him. Ed Oliver is on his fifth-year option. His contract is fully guaranteed once picked up. It's also fully guaranteed against injury, which is always scary if he gets a major injury at some point in previous season even. Uh, so what you need to do is consider the trade market we did in the cap special. Go back and check out the cover one cap special where we talk about what we're going to do with whom. I think cutting um, someone like Ed Alver wouldn't have been in the cards anyways, even if his salary wasn't guaranteed. But with the guarantee, that's that's non-existent. You know, he's on your roster. However, does someone come with a day two pick? You free up the money, you get the draft choice, you can kind of reset there. Might be pretty uh, lucrative an option. Do they trade him for a player? You know, there's a lot of talk out there right now about Derrick Henry working out with Von Miller. Von Miller then going to the combine and trying to learn how to be a GM and, and play GM. Uh, it's it's really interesting. Vegas set the odds at plus 300, tops of the league. Miami plus 400, New York plus 500. The Giants, I'm assuming, are now out of it with the franchise of of Saquon Barkley, but plus 300 is the best odds in the league to land. Derrick Henry's interesting. Vegas doesn't love to lose money. Uh, it's not their game. So it's interesting. You don't just set that randomly. Um, they definitely know what they're doing when they're picking and setting some of these odds. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, as you, you kind of look at trade market uh, across the league, do the bills value running back. It's something we have on this show all the time. I want to talk about running back for a second, Mike. You can start at the top with Derrick Henry if you'd like. Um, I think he would be a premier running back in this system. I think the effects of play action would be crazy. I tweeted out that the Bills should be very interested in a running back one, and everyone's like, well, what about the offensive line? What do you mean, what about the offensive line? It's not like you're one and done with Derrick Henry, and then you walk away. Why would you build an offensive line and then you not utilize it as well in the running game, uh, thus adding extra talent to Josh Allen? keep them fresh, don't need to run them as much, still leave teams confused. Is Josh going to keep it? Is he going to run an RPO? Is he going to hand it to Derrick Henry? Teams could get really confused really quickly with the amount of talent the Bills could have 
on the roster and honestly not really have to give that much up and not going to affect what plan they have at offensive line either. They're not going to sign a running back one, trade for a running back one, draft a running back one, whatever you want to say, and then decide not to upgrade the offensive line. It doesn't make any sense. Those, those two things are cohesive together. Upgrade the offensive line, upgrade your passing game and your running game. Put a final workhorse running back in that system, and all of a sudden you're going to see the fruits of the labor. It isn't just running back one, see you later, no O-line, no O-guard, nothing. We're not going to do anything there because we got one running back one. I think ultimately – Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. James Cook's never proven to take more than 8 to 10 carries ever. 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 So if we think he can do it, great. Great. I mean, based on what? I mean, there, there, there's potential he could, but he's never done it ever. So we'll have to see what that means. Is he going to be a compliment to someone uh, that like a Derrick Henry, someone else like a Deontay Foreman? You know, more realistically, does does Delvin Cook become available? At what you know, what what does that look like? But I do believe he's a compliment. I do believe he can add some to the passing game, and I believe that he can take over for that receiving role. That's why I ultimately don't need Naeem Hines. If you want to pay a returner, fine. He can help in a pinch uh, on the offense. Definitely not at the 4-8. I need to see that drastically drop into the twos, uh, low twos for me to be at all interested. I want to drop two and a half million off his contract. Uh, but I think that Oliver could be a really interesting uh, piece to a trade, whether it's for another offensive weapon like, uh, like you know, Brandon Cooks, like you know, depending on, you know, Hunter Renfro, like Derrick Henry, he could be utilized in that trade and you could still go net positive based on how you work out the contract. So it isn't just a, you get the running back, you get the weapon and all of a sudden we can't touch offensive line. We don't, you know, that's not going to be how this works. It's going to be, you're going to drastically want to increase the offensive presence by getting a premier running back and then developing a, a really strong offensive line. Mike. So I'm going to bounce it to you. What's your opinions on We'll start at running back. We talk a lot about receiver on this show. You know, you saw Josh Jacobs get signed. You know, you have guys like Leonard Fournette who just hit the market, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, you know, Deontay Foreman, you know, Jamal Williams. The trade market's probably robust. You know, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb. I mean, everybody with all the, these running back options seems to be available in some sort of fashion. Uh, where, where do you stand? Don't, don't have to go on offensive line yet. Where do you stand on making a move at running back? I mean, I feel like it's a foregone conclusion. The Bills will have to make a move at running back. I doubt they're going to go into next year with Hines and Cook as their two two main running backs going forward. I guess it's always possible, but it doesn't seem very likely to me uh, where you would have a situation where Cook would be your one and Hines would be your backup. Uh, I, I just don't see that being a possibility. So that means you have to bring someone in 
via free agency, the draft, uh, some way you have to go forward. I don't think that Singletary is going to be back on this team. At least I don't anticipate that happening. Uh, I, I believe that Singletary will test the market, see if he's able to get uh, a sizable um, contract, which is not a guarantee for him with some of the running back competition and free agency right now in a loaded draft class. So there's no guarantees that Singletary will end up with a better situation than he, what he is in Buff, what he has in Buffalo right now. And if he ends up testing free agency, doesn't get the cash um, from another team, there might be an avenue where he could come back to Buffalo. But I don't believe that's going to end up happening because I don't believe the Bills want to give him the type of deal that he will look for. Uh, I, I don't want to spend big at running back, Kev. I want to be I want to be a low-balling running back team because I don't really think the Bills need to have premier running backs to be a solid rushing team overall. Last year, they had one of the worst offensive lines in football. They had uh, James Cook, Singletary, not – nothing big name at the position and yet they still ended up with pro football focuses top graded rushing attack in the nfl and i know we're skeptical of pff and i probably shouldn't even use it if i'm going to criticize them but and i and i i know that josh allen scrambling and his rushing yardage has a big a lot to do with it but that all that said one of the worst offensive lines in the league and average running backs on your roster and the bills still I believe we're ninth in rushing yards and top two in yards per carry or something like that. So I, I don't think that the Bills need dramatic improvements at the position. What I think they need is better situational execution. Uh, we've seen where the Bills struggle running uh, at times in the red zone. They struggle at times with short yardage uh, situations. They need to find someone that can help them execute uh, in those situations, they wanted Zach Moss to be the guy. Obviously, that was not the solution. We talked about this all last year, Kev. I was hoping that Zach Moss could be that guy. But in Buffalo, it obviously didn't pan out. Does look like he might have some potential in other organizations uh, based on some of his late season production. But if you're going to ask me, do I do I want a Derrick Henry? I'd love to have Derrick Henry on the Bills. But I don't want Derrick Henry on the Bills if the Bills are going to have to pay him a decent chunk of change. I don't want the bills to have to give up assets for a guy like that. I believe you can get someone in the second, third round that can give you a complimentary piece to cook. I believe you can wait out free agency, let the the teams that want to spend big money or, or be aggressive at running back, go after their guys and still have some leftovers that would fit in perfectly fine on your team. Uh, if the bills want to go after a Dante Foreman, uh, Okay, uh, that, that's a possibility. Uh, Kareem Hunt has been a guy that uh, has been rumored for a long time that the Bills uh, have had potential interest in. If a Kareem Hunt wants to come to Buffalo, I'm not against that. Uh, a guy that can add a little bit to your passing attack and be um, a guy that helps you in the backfield and probably doesn't come with a big price tag because of the off-the-field uh, problems, well, the off-the-field incident that he had in the past. So – that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I don't ever expect the Bills to be a team that's going to heavily rely on the run. And if we're talking about Cook getting uh, seven, eight, nine carries a game, or is it someone else going to come in and get 12, 13, 14? Probably not. So in the end, 
find people that fit what you're looking for in your offense, but don't overpay. And if, because you can get a cost-controlled asset at running back if you handle this a smart way. Now, if there's someone the Bills are absolutely in love with, I'm not going to get pit, I'm not going to get upset uh, if they if they say no one's available that I like at 27, and somehow Bijan Robinson falls to them, and the wide receivers that I want are off the board, the offensive guard that uh, Torrance is off the board and the tight ends are off the board. Okay. Maybe I'll, I'll take a run at that situation. But other than that, I want to low ball and, and be cheap at the position. Hmm. Interesting. As you know, I need to say going deep podcast sponsored by sons of Erie, www.instagram.com slash sons of Erie. Check it out. Uh, some fantastic art and work over there by them. Um, Mike, as you look through these free agents, though, like, and let's say, you know, what, what what's different about they've tried the second and third round pick route. Both the third round picks are now off the roster. Um, they tried to find that cost control factor running back. It might not be quite as easy, especially picking late in the third, usually now. I agree, but um, this is a very deep running back class. Some of the previous years where they were targeting guys in the second and third round, there was a group of three or four running backs, and they ended up getting the last choice of their group of people. I would have told you last year, Kev, going into the draft, that James Cook was a talented person, but I also would have told you I don't know if he's a second-round guy. Now, I have no complaints with him being their pick in the second round, but there's a difference between – the same thing with Zach Moss, not a bad running back. Okay. Guy um, didn't hate his potential coming out of uh, Utah. No, he's bad. He's he didn't, bad. The bills didn't, they, it's not like they selected high potential running backs that fell in their laps and they got lucky that they fell to them in the third round when they got Singletary Moss or or cook. There was a reason why all of those backs fell to where the bills were. Now they all had potential, but none of them were the type of guys where you're like, this guy's going to be a star. Singletary had the agility, he had the elusiveness, but never had the, doesn't have the burst and lacks some of the pass catching uh, skills. Moss um, was able to break tackles, but in short term, he wasn't, he wasn't finding the holes. Cook coming out of college wasn't known, lacked vision and, was never the primary guy down at Georgia. So they all had reasons why they why they dropped. I do believe you can find some guys in the second, third round this year. I'm not even advocating for it. I, I don't think they need to draft a running back. But if they choose to do that, I do think there are more guys out there in this class that have a higher potential than what the Bills have drafted in recent years. Yeah, Um just real quickly to couple and then we'll get into some of the running backs here in the, uh, in the draft shortly, you have some names to look out for. And here's where it's interesting to me is if you decide to go third round again at that position, you know, you got Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Zach uh, Charbonnet, Devin A. Chain, Tajay Spears, most likely off the board. I would assume you're looking at the same range of player to me that you got already. I mean, Chris Rodriguez, Jr. You're looking at Dwayne McBride, you know, depending on where you rank some of the Keandre Miller, Sean Tucker, Eric Gray, Tank okay Bixby. With that like ultimately, if not you're... really. I don't think it's an upgrade. No, so I mean, I'd rather not draft him. Here's the thing, though: Are you really looking to upgrade the position? Or are you looking for something different out of the position? 
Like if Singletary tells you he wants five million a year or whatever, that and you think you can get a running back in the fourth round or fifth round that's similar skill set, you, you just save the money and you you just replace him with a cheaper a cheaper asset. I'm 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 just saying I, I don't know if you're necessarily going to get noticeably better at running back. Obviously, if you get a Derrick Henry, you will uh, in that scenario. But at what cost? would it take to acquire a person like that? It, it all depends on what you're looking for. I, I do think that James Cook brings an interesting dynamic to the Bills offense. I don't think that they fully uh, brought out his potential his rookie season. I think towards the end of the year, we were starting to see him utilized a lot more. And the Bills offense outside of the Cincinnati game down the stretch had a lot of success. And I really think an important part of it is having a dynamic – a multifaceted running back that can not only be a guy behind center uh, who can take carries, but also be part of the passing game. And the bills really didn't utilize the passing game with James cook nearly enough last season. Yeah. So as you look at some of the other free agent opportunities that the bills could go with at running back P Ryan McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Jamal Williams, you know, Dontre Hilliard, Kareem hunt, Damian Harris. So there are some names there uh, that are, kind of in that range of just a fill-in guy. I personally would like just one slot, one tier higher than that. I don't need uh, Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley, but I do want probably a little bit more talent. I do want someone, even if you're not on the, the, the $10 million running back range or the second round pick running back range, I still would prefer to have a running back a little bit tiered higher than that. Um, you know, I will do you go like after that. Jamal Williams. Do you, do you take a, but would he even consider a, play, a place like Buffalo? I mean, he's coming off a thousand plus yard season, uh, all the touchdowns he had touchdown last record, year. Touchdown record. He might not want to come to a situation where you're a pass heavy team. That could hurt him production wise. And Singletary, he's a guy that I do believe if you put Singletary on another, on another NFL team, he could be a thousand yard back. Just doesn't really work with the way Buffalo attacks teams. Uh, we're not going to put out the, the ball on the ground enough to, to get him that type of uh, production. And I, I'll tell you this, Kev, I, I know it's never going to happen. I would love B. John Robinson on the Bills. I, I'm not going to advocate for it. I, I'm not against it, but it's never going to happen. He's not going to fall to 27, first of all. And second of all, there's too many other more pressing needs at wide receiver, offensive line. But if I could have that, that would be such an amazing tool to have. A, a guy like that, not only is he elusive, but you look at his production as a as a receiving running back, averaging over 13 yards per catch during the course of his career. You're talking generational uh, player in Robinson. If this was 2000, probably a guarantee he'd be a top five pick. Hmm. I agree with that. Um, so we'll see where running back goes. Definitely some really interesting names, as you mentioned, some names at the top: Ejon Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. Devin A. Chain, Zach Charbonnet. So there's definitely some interesting names that the Bills do decide to utilize one of the top two rounds on this. I do believe the majority of those are gone before their second pick uh, that they make. So meaning 27, meaning really only Bijan Robinson most likely would be any would be the only one in consideration there. So maybe they don't touch running back in this draft. I don't believe they're going to, too. I, I think they're going to go the veteran route. 
I think they would love, sure, who wouldn't want to be John Robinson? But if he gets to 27, that means no one thought he was valuable enough to pull the trigger on him. Why would the Bills? Just so go I think that that's... Kareem Hunt. Just get Kareem Hunt and, and end it like that. Like Kareem Hunt. Okay. I think that he is somebody that they could target. They liked, they liked his play in the past. Uh, they actually, coming off a of suspension, were one of the teams interested in him. So there's definitely something they like about him um, that could go a long way. So to me, we'll see what they do. I do believe an upgrade needs to happen there. As you look further and a topic that I'm sure most people like talking about right now, and it is, it is pretty popular to talk about, uh, which is funny because every fan base is all cyclical. There's fan bases that talk about offensive line and like, well, even if we had the best right tackle in the league, would we have won one more game? And I think that's an interesting perspective that right now it's a very popular topic because of the two teams that played in the Super Bowl, mixed with how the Bills went out against Cincinnati, mixed with some struggles throughout the year at the offensive line position. And all of a sudden, like, it's like nothing else exists. It's like, well, who cares about linebacker? Who cares about safety? Running back, who cares? Just block better and you'll run better. You know, who cares about receiver? If Josh is, is upright, he can, he can hit Shakir or whoever. It doesn't really matter. Um, so it all boils back for Bills fans into offensive line. That is really the trending topic right now. Where do you think the Bills need to add, Mike? Do you think they need to add two starting offensive linemen? Three? One? Where do you feel? Because the funny part is the, the Bills feel pretty good about their tackle play. Do I think they have a veteran swing tackle that pushes – uh, Spencer Brown a little bit. Yeah, probably. Do I think that they think they need a first one right tackle? I do not think that. Um, so you look at a glaring guard spot. So we all agree on one, you move Bates back to left guard and you plug and play a really strong right guard. You don't touch Morse. One guard, Mike, what, where, where, where do you stand on the offensive line? So for a starter, looking at starters first, you're really essentially replacing one offensive lineman. That's guard. That's Saffold. Mm -hmm. uh, but you do need to bring in multiple offensive linemen. You need to bring in some competition for Spencer Brown. Brown is going to slot as a starting right tackle, but you need to push him because if you, ha if he has another year, like he did this past season, he's going to be a liability for your team and your offense. And you can't afford to have this back to back years. So my belief is you need to, you need to find in someone that can take over the starter spot, like I said, for Saffold. But find somebody serviceable to at least push Brown to get more out of him. Because if Brown doesn't elevate his play this year, you have to move on from him at some point. I agree. I agree that Brown is going to get pushed from a veteran presence. But you talk around the league and you see people that discuss how good Brown was. Really good athletic profile. He was playing with a pretty hard-to-get-around to back injury. So definitely wasn't just an easy peasy, just played like terribly. He needs to be replaced right now. The Bills still have hope to get pay a guy $1.2 million to start at right tackle for a couple of years. It isn't just something they want to give up on, especially knowing what happened with Teller and his profile and what he was able to go and do. And they really did wait to the last minute to get rid of Ford and was the right move. Cody Ford didn't end up being good. Regime struggles a little bit at the diagnosing and what they want to do with, with the offensive tackle position. So it's really interesting to know um, what's going to go on. Now we're going to go to producer AJ to say, see what he feels on the topic. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm assuming there's some pretty good things that he's liked recently uh, about this off season's worth of free, uh, free agent and rookie offensive lineman. 
Yeah, you know, I think the offensive line, obviously, like you guys have said, the left guard position. I mean, what I actually what I maybe think about re-signing Roger Saffold just to be a depth piece, I could like, you know, I could see that because I, I could see that being part of their plan. Like, Roger, you didn't have that great of a season, but we'd like to take you back on a, you know, one year, two mil, you know, two million dollar deal, something like that. Um, but in terms of like offensive linemen in the draft, obviously Osiris Torrance stands out. Cody Mock's a guy that um, from North Dakota State who's probably going to you know switch to that guard position because his arms are too short to play the tackle position um, in the NFL. And then Blake Freeland from BYU, he's a guy that mm. kind of just popped up on my PFF mock draft the other day um, in like the fourth round, and I kind of I think I addressed I got Sidney Brown, um, mm-hmm. Osiris Torrance, so I kind of addressed. Um, the guard position, and I think I traded up for Josh Downs or something like that. So I had a skill position as well. And he's a guy that just popped up, you know, on my thing. Didn't really know much about him. Selected him. And he's a guy that really tested all at the combine. I don't have his exact numbers up, but he did a real good job. Um, he's looking like a fourth, third-round pick. I think he upped his stock. I could see him going late in the third. But like you guys said, like just a guy that can give Browns a competition. You know, I, I'm I'm with bringing in a guard re-signing a couple of the guys that you have on your current roster to be depth pieces and then bringing over either a rookie or a veteran right tackle um, through free agency. And that that's the plan for, in my eyes, is go, go get two, maybe three, if you're not confident with who you resign or if you can't get, get Saffold back or something like that, but definitely two. Yeah. And to your point about Freeland, 9.82 Raz, uh, yeah. six seven three oh two uh ran uh ran a four nine eight which is 95th percentile uh 1.68 10 yard split 98th percentile three cone seven four six 90th percentile vert of 37 basically the 99th percentile broad jump of nine point uh nine four um so definitely a profile the bills like to target at the offensive line position probably tested himself into the third you're right maybe the early fourth but will he last the bills late fourth probably not but once again we don't know where they slot based on his film and other factors could could still push him there into the fourth so he's definitely somebody that could come in and be a really good uh developing tackle underneath this regime and i'd like to see somebody like that ultimately um but what's funny is that's not where it needs to end. It'd be great to have him in the system. I don't know if someone replaces Spencer Brown day one at right tackle. So so in theory, him or a vet would just be a swing tackle. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let me bounce it back over to you to talk about some of your other favorites down in Indianapolis while you were there. 
Yeah, so just some of the guys. I'm, I'm going to butcher his name, so I don't try to butcher it. But he's a guy that I talked to down in Mobile from Northwestern, the D tackle. Um, he just tested out of this world, kind of a similar frame to Ed Oliver. He ran a 4.4940, jumping 37 and a half inches on the vert, um, a broad jump of 10 foot 5 inches. Um, and, and the craziest stat that I, you know, I actually wrote down and kept with me. Um, his 40-yard dash time matched that of Houston wide receiver Tank Dell, who weighed 117 pounds lighter than him. So, like, just, like, some crazy stuff um, from the kid. And he he, he just did uh, against a, uh, with a couple one-on-one reps in Mobile. He was just phenomenal against Cody Mock. One of them, I was able to talk about the reps with him. He went through what he did to, to win the rep. But he was just very exceptional. Obviously, Anthony Richardson just tested out of this world. I mean, just to, just going to be a premium athlete. I've talked to, you know, a few people asking them, you know, how confident are you that he can just go into a system and make the system or that he has to be put in the right system? I think it's just so valuable for him to get – to be put around the right coaching staff, the right personnel, the right players, if he really wants to develop. Um, then a few other guys, obviously Jack Campbell from uh, the Iowa linebacker. He just did really good stuff, at, you know, 6'5", 250, um, the third pass of street cone drill. And then Christian Gonzalez, cornerback from Oregon, who's going to be a higher pick. And then the one that really stood out to me, I'll say that, like, listening to him speak and then, you know, watching a couple of clips on Twitter of him at the combine was uh, the tight end from Georgia, Darnell Washington. Uh, I think he just had a really good week. I'm not I'm not going to say, like, I'm not against the Bills going, eat, like, tight end either. If, like, there's a guy that they like that drops or falls and he's there at 27, I would not mind it. Um, I know you guys are having the Dawson Knox conversation earlier but they tried to address that last year with OJ Howard and it didn't pan out. But I mean, six, seven, two sixty four ran a four, six, four forty. Um, you know, he had that, obviously that clip with on Twitter where he just stayed the ball of the air one handed. So I think he had a really good week spoke well. Um, so that was my favorite down, down Indy. And sorry, you mentioned your defensive tackle. Are you talking about Kalijah Cansey? Which, what? Oh, uh, no, from Northwestern. Um, oh, I, his name is, I could, out of, out of like out of bar way, out of bar way. I don't even know how to say it. I mean, it's like out of bay wire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, something, yeah. but he just, I mean, he was insane. Like watching him run live, like, at, like, you know, he's a big, thick little, like six, two dude. He's just flew down. You just tell just from, you know, from a distance in the stadium being there, everyone looked around and was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, kind of like just shocked at what, what they just saw. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember watching that live and was like, well, that's uh that's something nine, eight, four Raz to your point, pretty much off the charts everywhere, but his height, his weight's two eighty two, Perfect. Uh, depends where you're going to play him. Does he play DN? Does he play three, four, you know, five tech? Does he play, you know, what, what is his natural position? You know, he tested out of this world, as you've already mentioned. Uh, he's an interesting prospect that I'm, I'm not exactly sure where he'd fit in each team. So he's definitely a hybrid style of player. Uh, that has some position versatility and a team would have to hone in on that exact specific uh, talent in order to see what they got from him. I have him right now. I don't know how, where he's going to go, but I have him in the second round. So we'll see what that looks like uh, in the defensive line position, but tight ends, a a topic I want to continue on with, not just on the pro personnel side, but on the rookie discussion, six guys supposed to be one of the best classes ever. You might get four in the first round. Let's have the conversation. Let's go around the round table and have the conversation of there's been so many things I've heard around the league and about the bills that, you know, maybe they do want a tight end because of OJ Howard, but then, you know, they already feel pretty good with, with um, 
with Morris and with uh, Dawson Knox. AJ, we'll start with you. Do you think that they need another tight end? And we have this discussion, you know, with running back. Do you think that that needs to come at the expense of one of those top two picks to get one of these guys? Because other than that, then they just become, you know, normal players. You have Shoemaker, who might be a natural fit in this uh, offense as well. Uh, He's a prototypical player that could, could, could move well. Uh, within this scheme so you don't you have more than just those top six you have a really good looking tight end class that one that I'm not sure the Bills are going to want to leave out of with Sam Laporta and Tucker Kraft uh, Shoemaker Uh, there's definitely a couple names here that you know Koontz from Old Dominion there's a couple names here that make a lot of sense beyond the first round so what's your opinion AJ on uh, then we'll get Mike's tight end takes what's your opinion on this being an important position group to run a 12 or 22, so many different options, or is it kind of just like, eh, that's kind of nice, but we do have to, to, to work on other needs. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a need um, for a matter of fact, talking to people down there, I don't think they're going to go tight end um, early. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be a thing they address. I could see now possible. Now I could see that I'm like a shoemaker in the later rounds. Like I could see that where they go deeper in the draft and try and get a guy and develop him behind Knox. And, you know, I don't know how many years left Knox or Knox has left on his contract, but that could be, you know, a possible replacement when he's done with that. Um, but no, I would like them, you know, it would be hard for me if like Washington was there, Meyer, or, you know, Kincaid were there. It would be hard to pass up. Like I would be like, but at the same time, I know there's bigger needs, pressing needs. And if they want a different direction, that's fine. Um, but I would love them to add a tight end in free agency. I don't remember off the top of my head, but there's a bunch of, you know, like Hayden Hurst is a name. Mm-hmm. Um, but even guys that are lower on the spectrum than that, that they can bring in through free agency and, and play that position. So I don't think it's a need. I don't think it's something they're going to do um, in the early rounds. I really don't. Um, so okay. I'm going to see – I would predict a late a late round move at tight end, see if they can develop them, or they just go on free agency, do, go that route, and bring in, you know, a veteran to play behind Knox and, you know. Yeah, it's – Dalton Schultz is kind of in a league of his own in free agency, kind of a little bit. Mike Gasecki, whatever you want to call him, Alpha Slot, whatever you want to consider him doing. Austin Hooper, Smith, Hayden Hurst, kind of in that second tier. But then it's like Robert Tunyon, Foster Moreau, Cam Brait, um, you know, Mercedes Lewis, Josh Oliver. So they're not really anything too, too appealing in the third tier. Uh, but the second tier is interesting that Irv Smith, Hurst, Tunyon, uh, you know, Foster Moreau, there are some Cam Brait, there are some interesting names, Mike. What do you think about tight end? Do you go and attack it with one of that second tier rate of guys? Do you think that this huge class of tight end, the Bills are just going to be like, there's some talent here. It's they're considering it maybe the best tight end class ever. Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Darn, we've all seen Darnell Washington, Luke Musgrave, Laporta, Tucker Kraft. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I, I love this tight end class. Just like everyone else, there's a lot of high up, uh, high talent at the top, but I just can't really see the Bills attacking it. We mentioned last week on the show, I'm not against them going after one of those guys if someone falls to uh, 27, but it really has to be a situation where your wide receivers are off the board, your your linemen are off the board, and even in that scenario, you might rather trade down than still take a tight end at that spot. I definitely think certain some of these guys could help out the offense, like a Kincaid or a Meyer, but those guys are most likely going to be gone before the Bills pick. And if they are there, then uh, you would have to weigh a decision. But I don't think it's the number one priority right now. Like we said, Knox is signed long-term. The Bills are uh, developing Quinton Morris. We don't really know what they they think of Morris long-term. But the fact that 
they spent last year. They gave him the spot over OJ Howard. Um, in other years, they've had Reggie Gilliam, where they're being patient with his development. Uh, what what that would tell me is that the Bills uh, think they're okay with the tight end room. That they believe that having one tight end um, that's premier that's going to be their main guy is okay, and then have some developmental uh, players behind them that can can stick to um, the basics in in development. And like we said, Tommy Sweeney, we, none of us think super highly of what he brings to the table, but are the Bills going to let him go and replace him with a high upside player? Probably not. Like you most likely replace him with another lower end uh, caliber player. So basically to sum up, I don't really see much of happening in terms of upgrades at tight end this year. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think we're all on the same page here with the tight end room. Could they surprise us? Dalton Kincaid, like, let's say they're all there in this huge class. Maybe the Bills are like, can we get the top pick of the tight end class in this deep unit? Maybe at some point that would be very enticing to them. That's weak. Like you said, it's weak elsewhere, receiver run, offensive line run. And they're like, we're sitting there with Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, uh, Luke Musgrave, whatever decision that they have, maybe they would find that appealing. But then you would just say, well, then one of them might be available in the second. Um, so maybe if more importantly though, maybe if one of the last of those, that unit in their first round grade unit was there, darn you're sitting there in that Darnell Washington, maybe that's appealing to them. But I do believe we think that we're not going to do too much at tight end. I do believe some of the other smoke around the team of it not needing to be addressed. I do think that they might try to get a value deal. I don't really seem to think they're going to go in the real fourth and fifth tier of free agency at tight end, like, a. Eric Tomlinson or a Pharaoh Brown or something. I do believe there's a chance. Maybe they go up a couple tiers, maybe see what Cam Brate's up to something along those lines to see if they can still get a value at the position, but might have a little bit more upside. And, and Kev, here's the thing too. If the bills really do um, want better production on a tight end too, then you need to actually use a second tight end in your offense. And that would mean that you, you're going to have some changes to how you're attacking opposing defenses and scheming at times. We talked about personnel all of last offseason when they went to get O.J. Howard. We were talking about wanting them to make a move after Gronkowski. And the year before, they they, they made an effort to try, try to bring in Hollister. Every time they bring in that tight end, too, it has not worked out. Now, what, is that a lack of patience by the coaching staff, uh, not seeing early returns, mm -hmm. uh, or is it – they keep going for the value option and they need to aim higher um, yeah. because you're not going to get this star production out of tight end two. If you're going after value guys on a, on a consistent basis, it's, it's like they're bargain shopping, hoping that these lower level tight ends are going to suddenly improve the offense in certain sets. And, and they just don't. So it, it, they, they basically have to attack it or just ignore it. And that's why I feel like in, the, in this scenario, they're more likely to ignore it than attack. Yeah. Walter makes a good point. Unless you go get Derrick Henry, which there could be a path that they do want to upgrade running back in 12 personnel. You can kind of put that package together, but unless you do that, aren't we really looking more for receivers? I do tend to agree with that assessment um, of how this will go. That's why I've never been into tight end. I do think they'll try to upgrade it in free agency, but a value upgrade like we've talked about, like the Cambrate Foster Moreau kind of upgrade, I don't think they go much higher than that. Um, but if they do have a really high grade on a tight end, they're looking at the board. 
it's tough to say on a GM that drafts for the best possible player at the positions that he has based on tiers. It's tough for me to assume that it's out of the question, but I do believe more of the smoke around the team of like, you know, we have um, Quentin Morris, although he's limited, he is not going to be in every personnel package. People will tell you that anyone that really breaks down film says that the reason he didn't get used more is because that's about as much as he could be used. Um, so just because he's on the roster doesn't mean you misused him. That's like the number one thing that bothers me is just because you roster doesn't really matter which player will use, will use him in this case, Quentin Morris doesn't mean he's just unutilized. It means that maybe he's doing what he do the best that he can do to the strengths in the personnel packages. That doesn't mean that he can play in other personnel packages because he's doing what he does decently well, maybe they are actually getting a lot out of him, not the conversely of not getting anything out of him. Maybe they're getting his max value and don't see him in the lineup and taking off other players. So to me, I don't I don't know that I buy this, like we didn't utilize Quentin Morris philosophy. I think they utilized him probably right. Um, you know, was there a little meat on the bone? Sure. I mean, there, there, there was for a, a couple people in this offense. So tight end to me. Use that about a lot of players too, Kev, by the way. Sure. Like you, we could talk about Isaiah Hodgins in that same scenario because I've been – you see all offseason, going back to the middle of last year, people being like, why isn't Hodgins being part of this offense? And then they see him produce in New York Giants, but they don't compare right. the situation. Wide receiver one targets, wide receiver six targets. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. And not saying that he didn't have it in him, but we were never going to find that out. And by time – we started comparing the two. The Bills' wide receiver room looked vastly different because of things that had happened throughout the course of the season. Here's a good question for the panel. I like this thought. We were just talking about tight end in a way. Um, if if he's tight end's the best BPA, do you take him? I think Bean might. But what if it's corner? Do the Bills go corner again if he is honestly the BPA on Brandon's board? Does he go against that? And I was like, ah, I took a corner last year. But what if he's sitting there with, I don't know, a Witherspoon available, Emmanuel Forbes, a Joey Porter Jr., Deontay Banks? What if one of them, a corner one, most likely in these drafts, you know, obviously I didn't bring up Gonzalez because I think he's gone. But what if one of those is available? Cam Smith should be more of a second, uh, Ringo as well. But some of those upper echelon guys, AJ, I'll start with you. You were there. You were there for the DBs. What do you think? Do you think that a real talented corner in this league and he is number one on the B, uh, BPA, do you go against it for need? I don't think there's any chance um, that they do it. Uh, I, I don't okay. even want, I don't, I wouldn't want them to. I think they're confident with Benford. They dra- I mean, they drafted Benford last year. They got Elam last year. Uh, they still have Dane for another year. They still got Trey White getting back from that injury. So I just don't really think it's a possibility. If there's one guy I would love him to draft, it's Julius Brents from Kansas State. I watched him at the Senior Bowl. He was just incredible. At the combine test out of this world, he's another one of the big winners. I think he had at least – I think he had like 37 and a half or something or inch higher vertical and just ran really well too. He's 6'3", really good feet. Um, his, listening to him talk, he's like – someone straight up asked him, and, you know, usually the guys are like, I'll do whatever the team asked me to do because I'm, you know, that's I'm a team guy. Do you prefer man or zone? And Brents was like, <clears throat> I prefer man. Like I want to be on an island pressed up against, you know, the receiver and being on that island and taking away that player from the game. But, I'll, you know, and then he went on to say, but I'll do both. But it was just interesting, like that mentality I really like. But if there's a guy that really falls, even if he does fall 
if there's a team that is behind us that would love to trade up and get a cornerback one at 27. So why don't you trade back if that happened, get get a slur of some picks to use, and then, you know, go with that. Yeah. 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 And upgrade more positions with those picks. Yeah, that makes sense. Mike, what, what's your opinion on the DB discussion? And we can kind of hedge it into DN too. I wanted to kind of get there with DN where maybe that's more realistically a position that could be and then corner. I think we all you know agree. What can you do at corner? However, you move Benford to safety. Things could get a little interesting at the corner room. If you have a corner one though, like a guy that can be a stud, like do you just trade? Do you just auto trade back in that case? Like it's an, it's an interesting kind of, and I'm not one to take corner. I don't. I am good on corner. I think the roster is pretty good on it. Mike, what do you think? Yeah. So if if it's a corner, I do what AJ said. Try to trade down, or if you're not able to, you you go different position. You're just going to have to go against your your BPA at that point in time, just because mm-hmm. you already have certain depth at that position mm-hmm. in when you're drafting someone in the first round, you ideally want someone that can be a starter for your organization uh, coming in. Obviously, Kyrie Elam split some of that time uh, this past year, but realistically, he, he'll most likely be number two this year. Corner, you you pass. But if there is a defensive lineman that is the best player available, and like I said, you're, the wideouts that you're interested in are gone. The offensive linemen that you're interested in are gone, and there is no trade down uh, option available to you where you can fall to a spot and know you can still get one of the next tier of linemen or wide receivers that you feel confident in. I'd be open to a defensive lineman uh, at some point. I, I I haven't even looked really at the at the D lineman to see who's going to slot where and everything, but there are certain positions where I am more open to go best player available. Uh, more likely important positions that we're not super strong at uh, overall as a team. So that's one of the areas where maybe I would have a bold pick that would surprise fans uh, if the situation presented itself. Like I said, one of those tight ends are there at 27 and the situation just happens to be where you don't have any of your main guys. I'm not against taking one of those tight ends if it's the best player available in that situation. I just think that oftentimes when we're talking about BPA, it's the best players, the way they stack the board is going to be the best players that also just so happen to fit what they're looking to address their team. So yeah, the best player might be available, might be a a running back or might be uh, a corner but they're not going to put the board that way together to where that's going to be the situation. Um, so we'll see how it stacks out. There's a couple of positions I'd be willing to take a risk at, but overall I don't want to sway too far away from uh, the few groups that I want to attack in this draft overall. Interesting, Mike. Uh, AJ, I'll bounce to you real quickly on the defensive ends. You know, obviously we got the Sabres game going on, so you can definitely get everybody back. We really appreciate everybody. This episode has been brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.instagram.com slash Sons of Erie. Check them out. Uh, really good stuff. Um, we're looking at getting into defensive end, AJ, and, you know, you have – the, the top guys, you know, Will Anderson's an edge, but you have Tyree Wilson, Lucas Van Ness, don't really see a ton of potential that they're there. 
Uh, but Miles Murphy, Foskey, you know, Nolan Smith, Andre Carter. What are, what are your thoughts on some of those guys from what you were able to cover? Yeah, I think the D-line is positioning gun. I think the Bills could address. But, like, I haven't really focused on any of the top guys because I just don't think they're going to go that, you know, route. Um, I talked to Derek Hall um, at the Combine. He's, you know, really good to talk to. He said he's met with the Bills. Um, Byron Young is another guy that they could talk to. I like DJ Dow from Alabama later. But I was looking at just, you know, later guy, later options. Maybe they, they would go, you know, day two. Um, but – I don't think maybe maybe Fosky. I mean, I, I like him, I like Fosky, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm not totally sold that. Yeah, let's go after him. At, you know, in the, in the first couple of rounds there. But no, I think I think it's a, a guy in a position they don't address. Um, okay, I agree. And it's a position they could you know add in the in the day three area. There's there's some guys I like there, but I don't. Do I really feel like taking 27 with Nolan Smith or BG Ojarly? Uh, like not overly. Um, like. I'm not really feeling great that I'm going to, you know, look at Andre Carter from army or, or something like that. Um, yeah. that early, like it's tough for me to think even if a faller happens, what I'm going to do there. So I, I think I, that I'll throw something at you, Kevin. So, okay, go ahead. No, go I, ahead. I think you and I, we, we think similar, we, we have similar views on, on this draft. Um, I'm very pro wide receiver. Um, in the first round yeah. of this year, I'm open to offensive linemen. I just don't think there's a million guys that fit in well where the Bills are going to be at 27 overall. If let's talk about the big four, if Addison's gone, Flowers gone, Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then Johnson, okay. do you in a trade? A trade down's not available to you. Do okay. you take a downs? Do you take a Hyatt? From, uh... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of those receivers that are like that, that next tier of guys. Or do you go BPA? Do you take one of those guards that might be a second round guard that that's where I'm kind of interested in, or is there, or do you have to trade down in that scenario where uh, you try to just take your guy where they, they deserve to be early second round, mid second round. I think you don't, you don't trade down. If you have to do anything, you don't ever want to be pressing a spot where you're getting lower than value, giving up the fifth round option, or excuse me, fifth year option to trade you out of a position. For, you overpick. Yeah, you. I first answer the question by overpicking. I don't 
think that anyone would give up in this scenario to where you're not sure what to do unless there's a huge faller that you don't need like sure then the value would be high there but i'm going to assume the value is low to trade back i'm not really looking to trade too far back not being compensated for it i'd love to trade back but only because one of the corner ones is there like we were talking about and then you get value for it am i trading back just to really try to work a trade back with all these players gone no I think that they have to take the best player on their board in this situation uh, that you're bringing up. And if I think it's high for downs or Hyatt, um, you know, who else would even kind of be in that range? I don't know where they view Jaden Reed, Keyshawn Booty, um, Cedric Tillman. They're all kind of right there too. But ultimately, no, I, I'd feel really good about waiting on all those guys into the, all of them because there, there's, there is a group there that I like of waiting to the second on a bunch of those. So, so no, I think, but that brings up the question of what we just talked about for the last portion of the show. Do they go tight end? Do they go one of them within your scenario? One of them would have to be there. Um, one of those tight high end tight ends. Do they swing the trigger on a corner? I don't think so. But then maybe one of those, one of those edges is there and they're like, you know what? He's the highest guy on our board. We feel really good about landing one of these guys in the second at receiver and we're sitting there and we think Nolan Smith's going to change the game for us while Vaughn gets back in week three or week four. And now we have this, this, this litany of, of defensive ends like Philly. We feel like we can address the other needs later and we don't feel like we can at defensive end and whatever that player may, whatever one that may be. Um, I do think that they would swing the trigger that way. So I don't think they reach on one of those receivers. I think they would feel pretty comfortable when getting one of them um, in the second, but there'd have to be one of those positions um, that's available, whether it's, but you're missing one of the major position groups. I think then maybe they target inside linebacker, um, you know, bring in somebody that could be a day one starter, uh, whether it's Trenton Simpson, you know, whoever it might be that they deem to be the best and top of the line. Another position I'd like to see on day two, but that at least is a, a pivotal quarterback position. And then you can keep going down the list, Mike, Brian Branch. Is it an Antonio Johnson? Uh, is it a day one starting safety that they could go with instead? That might be better than a corner. Um, at least you're going to get max value out of a guy who's pretty important in a, in, a, in a Sean McDermott defense. Or then we're all trading Ned Oliver. Is it then they turn and flip and tar- target defensive tackle with a Brian Brees? Um, I, I that that could be you know a very likely scenario too. So I don't think it necessarily needs to come. Elijah Cansey, I think that they would go one of those routes over uh, reaching on a receiver because then they're feeling pretty dang good about maybe some of the tier two guys that'll be available for them in the second round rather than reaching and then being like ah, I like this range anyways when they're up on the clock in the second round. But don't count out like John Michael Schmitz. They could always have a guard. Uh, Avila from TCU, something like that, where they could go starting day one, right guard, transition them to center. As you see, uh, Mitch, uh, maybe move on, you know, uh, a Wepler from, you know, from Ohio state, they could maybe go that route. And then maybe it is right tackle. Everyone would sure like it, even though I don't think they're overly planning on a Broderick Jones or a Darnell Wright. Um, so to, someone like that, you could add into the system as well, AJ. So that to me, might be the way they go over one of those reaching on receivers, even though, you know, I'm a receiver guy. If the four are gone, I'm getting less challenged there. You definitely have some questions if the four are gone. And AJ, you, you said that you had a question for us. Yeah. So for both of you, well, I don't care who answers first, but is it more likely you see the bills trade up this year 
Yeah. Say there's a scenario where three of the four guys yes. are gone and they go and trade for like 22, 23, or is it more likely they trade back? Like, yeah. what do you think the more, the more, I think they trade know. up and they want to stud. I think they more, they did it with Elam. They proved they, they, they showed their hand that whether what we think of Elam doesn't really matter. We can have differing opinions on Elam. Did he play good? He did in stretches. Could he improve? He probably showed that in stretches too. Will he be on the field to start day one this year? I think he will. But to answer your question, they got giddy. They got nervous and traded a fourth round pick so that someone else wouldn't trade up. They traded up one slot to block somebody from getting Elam. I believe that this year's the same. If they're sitting there and they see the three receivers gone, I, I'm feeling like they can move up. If they're sitting there with two gone, I think they're feeling okay. Um, but the second, the third one goes, I, I, I'm not. it's not crazy to assume that they would move up to grab one of them. It really isn't. Um, and someone else we didn't talk about in this scenario, you know, hopefully Bijan's gone too in the scenario, Mike, you were talking about, but um, yes, I think that they would trade up if Jackson Smith and Jigba sitting there. Uh, yeah. And it would, and, and they just proved that they traded up a fourth, uh, fourth rounder just to make sure no one else took Elam. Yeah. I would assume that Jackson Smith and Jigba J- Jordan Addison uh, would be someone they trade up for with a pretty modestly priced trade up. Um, I'm not sure, Mike, what, what's your opinions? Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I feel like the better your team, the more aggressive the the draft, the more d- aggressive you can handle the draft. Meaning, like, if the if the Bills had holes left and right all over the roster, you probably want to acquire more picks so you have the ability to, to take more chances on filling uh, your roster with quality young talent. But with the Bills, even though they do have some – some needs probably more than what we anticipated going into this off season. Uh, they still have the ability to be aggressive. They're not going to be able to fill all of their holes with rookies and get instant production. So if it comes down to, do you stick at 27 or are you willing to go up uh, a few picks to get the one guy that you think can come in and make an impact, or you're going to trade down and then still end up with only one real guy that you think you can plug in place next year. I believe that it's, it'd be more likely that they would go get their man rather than than play it safe. Now, I know the Patriots over the years traded down uh, often, but they were also in a situation, and I guess the Bills' similar situation to a certain extent, where Bill Belichick had his quarterback in place. He mm-hmm. had his defensive philosophy, and he just wanted to keep taking chances and basically trying to play the odds. I don't know if the Bills necessarily need to play the odds uh, right now in this draft um, overall. So, and I, and I do think those top four receivers are a tier above the rest of the guys available. Now, the big, the biggest question I really have in this draft is where are the bills leaning? Are they thinking like the rest of us fans where we believe wide receiver is a huge need on this roster or are they, they going, are they going to take the approach that we need to fix the offensive line through this draft. If the Bills are set on getting a guard, well, then they might not have any need to trade up in this draft. They might have, they might look at some of these guys that are potential second round picks and uh, late first round picks and just stay where they are and go with one of those guys. All I'll say is this if they don't get a guard uh, in the first two rounds, it is a pretty thin crop of guys later on in this draft. A lot of the, um, the smart offensive line. Uh, people grading prospects have said the, the depth of O-line in this draft is very weak overall. So it will be interesting how the bills. I think the that. fall starts at the round three though. So, so luckily. So yeah. So 
it, they don't have to rush into it in the first round, but it no. will be interesting overall. In uh, with these wide receivers, Kev, I, I'm with you. They they need to be aggressive and, and make sure one of these guys ends up on the Bills. The slot position, we can't say it enough. Uh, as much as we say improving the offensive line will help Josh Allen do better, you can make an mm-hmm. argument just getting an elite slot guy will make just as much of an impact on Josh Allen's success. Having someone that he knows will get to the spots he needs to on the field where they can see eye to eye, um, someone that can create separation. The Bills did not utilize the middle of the field last year. Without Cole Beasley, their offense basically just stopped. It just ignored the middle. And that's something the Bills need to get back to. They need to find one of these young guys to come in. And I really do believe a Zay Flowers and Addison um, or a Jackson Smith and Jigba particularly could be the difference makers that really elevate this offense to the next level. And if you could still get a guard in the second or third round that hopefully can slot in, I think you then take care of two needs uh, right away. Um, That that's the way I would, go about it at least the problem the problem is i got five guards they're all second round talent so schmidt that's the struggle yeah so yeah you don't Avila, really want to reach out all of what timmy some people like Jarrett patterson um you know torrence wepler you know Voorhees kind of could have been in that but had that injury maybe you could grab him late i have five or six guys that i like right there that i think you can get in the second round perfect value in the second round i just don't know that i need to get the ball rolling unless two of them are off the board or something. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with targeting interior. Interior's always been jotted down in my book as the second round. It can be flipped uh, for some reason. You know, Torrance is the guy that they like a lot. Sure, it can be flipped right there for me um, to be able to land one of them in the first and then maybe to the receiver scenario in the second. I'm very, you know, kind of versatile in what could happen there. But I'm not overly sold that it needs to come at 27. I think that's kind of doing what the receiver scenario was that you just had, where you're just kind of overpicking one of them um, to make sure the base draft based on need. So Torrance, once again, you got John Michael Schmitz, you got Avila, um, you know, you got, you know, you had Voorhees, you have Tittman. I didn't even mention a lot of people like him, Wepler. Um, So there's definitely, you know, and a few other tiers guys in there too. So there are definitely plenty of interior guys that I think could come in and start day one. How realistic just, do you think any of these guys fall to 27 wide receiver wise? Not really. Out of the four? Out of the four. Do you think one of the four will fall to 27? No. I do think it's possible. Which one? I don't Is know. Addison, because of his uh, Addison's testing was terrible. Like his yeah, res is like a three. That'll hurt him. Yeah. I, it's like a three. So this is obviously smoke screen season. You don't know what's true, what's not true. Right. But before a month ago, people were saying that there was thought Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba could fall to the second round. Now he's the darling of a lot of draft draft talk right now. It's just that naturally to AJ's point, it doesn't matter. There, there's four good receivers, and they generally I mean there's seven that go usually, but like, do you think I the do Bills think there's get a sh- one of them. Do I think the Bills will do you get think one the of them? Bills will, will staying be- at 27? No, but do they have to trade up far? I don't think they'll need to will they I don't trade think up. To- will the Bills do what they need to do to get one of them? I think they could. Do I, I I don't think it's at 27 though? Do I think they need to go to 15? No, I don't believe they need to go to 15. Do I think they need to go to 23 to jump a few playoff teams? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's more likely. Yeah, I think it's more likely that they stay um, and just take what's there. But I could see, I mean, if they're going to, I don't think there's still a chance that one of those four receivers, you know, falls, Mike. You know, the the reason why I ask is because we were talking about BPA like 15 minutes ago. I mean, you got to jump the Giants at 25. I don't care what anyone says. If they get one of these guys, the Giants will be the team that takes the fourth at 25. Yeah. I just I, I just want to tie this back to a couple comments. So okay. one comment said 27 is a horrible position to be in this year. Then a comment a few later, a few comments later, another person said it's a beautiful spot. Someone will drop to you that you don't anticipate and you're going to make out like gold. Now, the reason why the, the way I'm going to tie this in is if we don't believe any of those four receivers falls to 27, the Bills will have to make a move up to get one of them. Otherwise, you have the dilemma of none of them being available at 27. If we think most of these guards are second-round caliber, where the Bills have a good chance of getting one in the second round, then from a value standpoint, you probably shouldn't pick one of them at 27 just to guarantee you have one because you will still have opportunities. And if you need to trade up in that point in time in the second round, you can do so. So – Really, what I'm trying to, and, and I know this. That's still, right. That's the way you draft from the draft. That's the way what you I, draft. Correct. What I'm trying to grasp right now is what I want the Bills to do. I've been saying the whole time: add wide receivers, adding guards. I feel like there's this weird scenario that's building up to where we're not going to end up with a wide receiver or a guard in the first round if this first round goes the way many people early on in this draft process think, unless the bills make a move or they trade up to get one of the guys or they trade down and settle for a receiver. Maybe they pick up another second round pick and get the guard that they want. And they, they get two second round guys instead of a first round guy. But Kevin, I, and to wrap up, I really do think at 27, we might have some unexpected situations. Yeah on the table yeah that's why you and i none of us can anticipate right now that's why the Bijan gibbs slash gibbs is 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 a thing that's why we talked about corner a little bit that could be a thing that's why uh, getting getting interior line in in a week talk about a weak class a lot of people are now pointing to the weakness of linebacker even though bean said it was strong but others are saying it's like a really weak interior class and it's strong on the uh, exterior linebacker outside linebacker the Bills need an inside linebacker. They have two outside linebackers on the roster in the same mold. They need an inside linebacker. Do they take the number one guy on their board and, and secure that? That could be another, but you're right. Like safety, you know, glaring hole. But here's the thing. Why we did the free agent primer as well as a combine primer is because free agency starts in a week and some of these holes will be filled. I have it on good authority within team sources. The Bills really like Odell Beckham Jr. So that would change some that would change At some things. point, if you take him, yes, you can always use receivers. That's that's a foregone conclusion. But you're not drafting would... a receiver in the first round if you Correct. send Odell Beckham Jr. Correct. Third, <laughs> fourth, fifth. Absolutely. Like that makes sense. You could always add a corner, you can always add a receiver. But what happens is now that totally changes everything. So I think one week from today, even, we'll have some clarity. Two weeks from today, we'll even have more clarity. But the day of the draft or a day before, we'll probably even be more like, okay, maybe maybe it's not receiver anymore. Maybe it's like very clearly 
Maybe they got a guard too. Maybe it's very clearly safety. Maybe it's very clearly that like that's the biggest hole by far, and that might line up to where they're picking. Maybe they trade back to AJ. I know AJ's team trade back. You need two to tango. Always need two to tango. And I don't want to get reamed just because like you know we don't want to make make a choice. Um, that's where teams like New England gets into trouble and they draft poorly. They don't want to make a choice and they're like, eh, I'm going to trade back. I'm on Cole. You know, I want X, Y, Z, I want Cole Strange. I want whoever. You know, that's where they start to get into, into trouble. So I want to make sure they're, 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 they're crystal clear. And to me, like it shows more aggression and it shows more like you're sold on this player. I hate Cody for it, but I like that. They, they literally thought he was like tackle one, like that. Maybe that was bad scouting. Maybe something went wrong. The injuries, whatever. But they thought they were getting they, – they were fist – everyone's seen it. They were fist pumping. They, I mean, I, they missed. Like, I'm a big Cody Ford hater. Um, but I like the conviction that they made the right deal. Like, that was the right deal. They didn't pay too much, and they thought they got tackle one. Um, but they didn't. So it, it is what it – but the conviction to come up and get Jackson Smith and Jigba um, when he's the last guy there and he can be a dynamic ball carrier, a, a rack guy, a yak guy, whatever term you want to use. Um, he is going to be dominant in the offense. You go and get him. However, things change when you sign an Odell Beckham Jr. If that's who they think value, what he can bring to the office, veteran leadership, people love him. People like to hang out with him, all that kind of stuff. Um, then that changes what we're talking about today. So one week from today, We'll know a lot more six days from today. We'll really have uh, an interesting perspective, but I don't know the, how much the bills do day one of the tampering window. By the time we come on air with you next week, we'll be talking about legitimate changes that the team made restructures coming here soon on the next couple of days. Maybe they don't go a receiver route and we don't talk about receiver again because they signed whomever. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Maybe we're talking a lot about running back for some reason. I don't know. Um, but we'll see how this develops over the next month and even more importantly, the next two weeks, um, to see exactly all these scenarios. But I think there'll be a better path in four weeks, in my opinion, and we'll come on the show and we'll talk about it. But right now it's too hard to decipher between what they do at linebacker and safety and edge and DT. Well, Ed Oliver might even be on the roster. So like, we don't know exactly the pieces of the defensive puzzle and I certainly don't know the offensive puzzle right now with what they're going to do at receiver, what they're going to do with their second running back position. Is it going to be the biggest need they have? Or really Mike, like you said, some, some veteran, uh, uh, an expensive guy. So to me, like maybe they go out and get a top guy guard right now. Maybe the number one thing and the only thing they do is go get some high level guard. And then, well, we're not really talking about interior offensive linemen that much at least. Um, so we have to kind of see how this plays out next week. So with that being said, we kept everybody 90 great minutes. The Sabres are about to, to drop the puck for period two. And I want to make sure everybody gets out and sees that uh, we have show come up at nine o'clock here on the cover one podcast network. So I want to make sure everybody gets out there and please check out sons of Erie, www.sonsofeerie.com uh, as well as Instagram.com slash sons of Erie. Uh, make sure you check them out. AJ, any final things you saw from the combine? Uh, no, it was just, you know, it was a great time. I got to see, you know, a bunch of the, a bunch of the talent, meet people. Um, it's a great community. So I had a fun time and I'm looking forward to watching the Sabres uh, play this important game here. Yeah. We'll get everybody out to period two. Mike, what's your final note? Leave us with something as we enter free agency in six days. What I will say is I don't know what the bills are going to do, but I am confident that after free agency, 
after the draft that the Bills will be feeling much more confident about this offense. I do believe they're going to attack playmakers, uh, and okay. that can be a variety of different forms. That's going to be running back. We're going to see another probably slot receiver added onto this team. We're going to see a new left guard, and we might even see another uh, tackle to, to add some depth and competition for Spencer Brown. So while fans obviously aren't too happy with the way things ended, I do think uh, come July, May, June, July, August, uh, we're going to be feeling a lot better about where this team is, and we're going to have some exciting pieces uh, to put together in the puzzle. Yeah, amazing. We have Ant coming up next with uh, Buffalo Bills free agency focus, Tremaine Edmonds, et cetera, coming up here at 9 o'clock. But from Kevin Masseri, Mike Bunt, producer AJ, we really appreciate everybody tuning in. Enjoy the Sabres making their playoff push today, huge game. Enjoy this free agency period, and enjoy it as we get into one of the funnest months of the year as some of these prospects become more realistic as visits and things happen. So from the Going Deep podcast, sponsored by Sons of Erie, We'll catch you guys soon. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down field, and it's caught inside the 20- Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.